Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep. Suplex Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of East Beat West here on the Eat Two Plates Retreat podcast feed. Well, it feels like a hot minute since we last did an episode, but we're back a little over two weeks later to do another episode because even in those two weeks, there's still so much to talk about in the US and Japan. We're gearing up for not one, but two tournaments mashed into one because they are going to stack up as much of the end of the year as they can, them being New Japan. Uh, but, you know, we this is what we signed up for. You know, myself and my good co-host here, Grammy Robbie, we're just ready to break it all down, aren't we, Grant? Aye, we are. It's, it's getting to that uh, time of year, as we mentioned last time, that, well, we will not have a break. <laughs> Be ready. This is the relentless part of the year. The road to Wrestle Kingdom is truly underway. <laughs> I know, I mean, there's a particular day... Uh, later this week that is particularly stacked and we'll get to that in a little bit so you know you're hearing this also on a Thursday because uh, those tournaments that we talked about they're getting to start on the 13th uh, so we want to get this out to you a little bit before that otherwise we'd have you'd be hearing this by the time the tournaments had started so a special midweek Thursday edition of East Meets West thank you to Ross for agreeing to move central you'll be hearing that tomorrow being Friday, that is, if you listen to this, the day it comes out. There you go. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you've got content from SSR today. It'll get you through if you've got a busy bus journey. But, as well as all the other stuff we've got coming with the SSR and everything else in our back, like past episodes of this show, past episodes of Saturday Night Live Central, and our weekly feature show, uh, we've got a special edition of the Debating Chamber this week. You know, it was always funny. you got David Campbell on it. That man can talk shit for days. So... <laughs> I'm sure he does that on the debating chamber. And in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be looking back 20 years on from the Survivor Series 2001, the end 
of the invasion story that I'm going to be on that feature show. I'm very much looking forward to that. And also, speaking of Survivor Series, the day of this year's Survivor Series, uh, you can get past the time while waiting to stay up for the pay-per-view by checking out on our YouTube channel the latest episode of Quiz Showdown, Quiz Showdown 16. Should have been called Quiz Showdown 2000, but that's just me. Quiz Showdown 16, oh my God, we're back again. Hosted by Sarah Grieve, where I, myself, the most winningest uh, Quiz Showdown champion, uh, defend my title against a myriad of challenges, which includes Grab McRobbie. What a fun recording that was. We will keep spoilers to a zero, but yes. What, what a quiz showdown that was. I know. A, a weird and wonderful time we've had by all. And we can't wait for you guys to check it out. And stay tuned next month when I go back into the floating chair for a special Christmas edition of Quiz Showdown, which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to talking about everything we've got to talk about here. So no messing about, no more of the housekeeping. Let's just get right fucking into it. And not long after the G1, we went straight into the Road to Power struggle. We talked about the major events of Road to Power struggle in the last episode, then being mainly the reveal and return of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for Kuzuchiko Okada to represent his right to challenge in the main event of uh, the Tokyo Dome rather than the traditional briefcase. And the Flying Tigers, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask winning the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tide Championships ahead of Robbie's title defence against Desperado on Power Struggle itself. But I'm right in saying, Grant, I didn't really check out most of uh, the Road to Power Struggle after that. Anything for you that stood out from the Road to other than those two events? It, nothing really kind of stood out in the Road to shows. They were they were there and they were nice, but it's. I, I'm getting to that point, I think, that after several years in New Japan, that sometimes I feel the Road to shows, they need to do a little bit more to invest me in them because. They, they're they're just kind of there. Feels feel a couple of years ago, like you, you, the road two shows were almost must watch, but now it's a little bit. You, you can get by without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very pick and choose with uh, the road two shows. You know, if I got some free time, I'll take out, or if they've announced a particularly match that interests interest me, like when they announced the, the tag team title match, I'll check that out. But other than that, I don't really tend to bother with them. Uh, Power struggle. We were going. We were enjoying having these, you know, minimised cards because they make it easier to watch, especially when they got a lot of stuff happening in a short period of time. But some maniac decided to go back to, you know, nine matches for Power Struggle. We're going to skip over the first three matches. They're mainly, you know, tag team affairs, not really anything of consequence. The only thing noteworthy, I thought, was in the opening match because uh, you had the young lines being soundly battered by Doki and Karamaru. And uh, I think Kelly hinted that maybe going forward, Kanemaru would be teaming with Doki to go after the junior heavyweight tag team titles while Desperado pursues more singles pursuits in the junior division. And I wouldn't I would be okay with that because you know what? I want to see Doki with a belt. Doki for junior tag team tag team champion. I I can get behind that. Um Doki's been one of those ones that ever since he came in, it feels like he's had a kind of he's had hints of greatness, he's had flashes of it, but he's never truly been given the uh the best chance to properly run with it and I feel that you know we've talked about this before separate the junior tag belts and the junior belt you know separate them and this is a great way to do it keep keep things simple and this double champ rubbish yeah if you got somebody that you want to prominently feature in the junior heavyweight like singles division stop like having them challenge 
for the tie belt. So getting Desperado away from the junior tie belts for a while, I think, is a, a smart decision. We'll come back to Desperado a little bit later on, but the fourth match in the car is where things started, you know, getting you know, worth talking about because from then on it was uh, there was something on the line with every match that followed. And, you know, Grant, they say all good things must come to an end. After nine defences successfully, the chaos tree of Yoshihashi, Goto and Ishii have lost their never openweight six-man tycoon titles. It's the first title change in over a year, which is unusual for those belts. As a dark cloud has descended over us, as the House of Torture have the gold. Yeah, it felt it felt like it, time was against them. That was, um, I, I think I saw the stats the other day, it was like 454 days and to drop it on their 10th defence just cements them pretty much today as the benchmark for the six-man tag belts. And we know that I will slag Yoshihashi to the end of time. That is pretty much as certain as death and taxis, but I will give it. This trio from Chaos was an absolute delight to watch constantly. Um, I think this is actually the shortest of their six-man title matches as well. Maybe uh, I wasn't really making much of a note of that, but you know, a lot of things that people hate about, particularly Evil and Dick Togo, you know, the amount of shenanigans in these matches, and uh, they were going shenanigans galore. You know, turnbuckle pads being ripped off, Togo getting involved. You had uh, Joe trying to bring a chair in. Usuro uh, uh, had his cane. There was all sorts of stuff going on. At one point, you had all three members of Chaos just battering uh, Dick Togo, which I'm sure brought a smile to many a fans. Uh, you know, you had this new trio, uh, so they also it was you could kind of sense that the tails could change hands, but we've learned never to carry out this chaos trio because they've been going up against some heavy competition for these tag titles. And uh, I believe Ken Kelly said now as a trio, they've only lost three times, and two of those three times have been to now the House of Torture. So uh, they've got a hell of a record for a trio. Uh, that's this. This is. Um... They actually made me care about the six-man tag belts again because it was actually uh, all their defenses were like there were matches that usually went 25, 30 minutes, and the like the fire that it kind of showed in that chaos trio was absolutely fantastic to watch. So you know, um, sadly, it's went to an absolute shit show of shit houseery. Uh, they can call themselves house of torture. I'm going to call them house of shit what they are. Um, but I'm hoping that they can do something with the belts but we, we'll see I'm, I'm just not I'm just not into evil these days I've lost all interest well something that might interest you about evil and these titles and this now officially makes evil he's had the most reigns as never six man champion of anybody obviously through his time uh, for LG, I believe he's not in Boucher as a team held them three times then he held them alongside Boucher and Shingo, and now this reign he is a five-time never openweight six-man champion. So, you know, he's at least got that going for him. I'm pretty sure Yujiro is also at one point uh, a former six-man champion. I think he's only had one reign. But uh, first bit of gold for Show outside of the, the junior division, which is pretty cool because you get to see Show at least mix it up with mix it up with some people in the heavyweight division more often because uh, he's the one member of the House of Torture I don't mind is, is big Show. Aye, that's it. Show is is actually like it, it was the big surprise to see him join the House of Torture, but you know, um, he he's probably going to be their their redeeming feature for me as Show. And after that, I do like Yujiro. Sometimes it feels like he can't make up his mind whether he's full blown shitbag heel 
or if he's just trying to have a bit of a laugh. But I do. I've got a soft spot for you, Drew. Big huge, the big yeah. juice. Felt like he was. Uh, felt like he was having a bit of a laugh during the G one, but then when he's in this match, he's full of shit house. So it's like when you've got that that one pal that your mum doesn't want you hanging around with. Like you're a good boy the rest of the time, then you get around that pal. Oh, should be hanging around that evil user. He's a bad influence on you. So he is. It's no use. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I didn't want you hanging about with that evil boy anymore. He just leads you astray, son. If I find out you've been hanging about with him, I'll tell you no to. I'll take my hand off your jaw, boy. <laughs> See that bloody cane of yours? It's getting rattled off your ass, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so who's the torture uh, of the new six-man tag champs? Uh, I have a feeling that, you know, I think these guys are probably carry it through Wrestle Kingdom. Because, uh, you know, now that we've had this long reign from Chaos, we never know if they're going to go back to the ways of the that used to be with the titles constantly changing hands, or they're going to go for more longer reigns uh, going forward. But it's also noteworthy after the match is uh, you had Show coming out with that big Chaos tail with all the members on it, which they say Yo designed. And uh, obviously, he was going up against his former stablemates. He got poor battered in the corner about one point by ECE, the disappearing fowler. Like, how could you turn your back on us, you bastard? But then afterwards, they were just kick, kicking the guys while they were down. And at one point, uh, they got a pair of scissors out and Show was cutting the towel, which seemed to be the moment that symbolised our, our hero, the White Knight. And I mean that literally because you got Show dressed all in black and Yo returns dressed all in bright white. I mean, could there be a clear metaphor? Who's the good guy and who's the bad guy here? I know, I mean, like they, were, they were completely, totally on the nose with the, with the metaphor, but yeah, it was fantastic seeing them back, and I, I honestly, I can't wait for the two of them to tangle up again in singles action. I think it's going to be beautiful. We're not going to have long to wait for that. Also, the best Virginia's right around the corner. I'm hopeful, uh, I mean, they've given us the matchups for day one of the term, but they haven't really told us much of the uh, the rest of the, the schedule. But I'm hopeful that their match they save it to like towards the end of the tournament, like we are, like when Evelyn Sanada the last few years have faced off towards the end of the tournament. Like don't blow it right in the middle or really early on. Just make people wait for it towards the end. I think you know, lad, for their entry, depending on what their win loss record is up to that point. Ah, that's it's to me that should be a it should it should be like a kind of like end of the tournament match. It should be one of those ones that could decide the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, after that, we got a real palate cleanser because uh, this was a very different turn as we had the amateur wrestling match for the KOPW Provisional uh, Trophy, uh, presided over by Judge uh, Yushi Nagata, who kindly explained the rules of how many points you get for a teacher, how many points you get for this and that. He had Aaron Hanari, he's been found, take him off the milk carton, sitting in the corner of, of the Great Okan. And they both had their amateur wrestling singlets. It had two, three-minute rounds, and the Guido can actually went up in the first round, and then, and then he got a big four-pointer for uh, for Yano in the second quarter. And uh, even though Yano won sixty-five, he still had the heels getting their heat back right afterwards, and uh, claiming, "Oh, we can push him into the ropes. That should have been a point. It should have been tight." Uh, so obviously. I'm, I'm interested to see how they actually put this together. Do they, because these guys both have the amateur wrestling background, do they decide, okay, we'll make it look like a shit, but we'll plan it out, or do they decide, fuck it, let's just go out and see what happens. Whoever has the most points, fuck it. I, I actually, I really enjoyed it. Like it, it, it was 
you know, obviously there's two stipulations between the Kiss My Feet match and the amateur. So when they came out amateur, I mean, the only thing that's going to haunt me is like it just the, the outfits just remind me of Michael Cole and his athlete's foot. So that was always going to be, and I know you probably know how you're done yet. So I just thought I'd put that back in your mind after last time. I mean, never eat again. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like the way that they did that. Obviously, it's it's weird like, if it was going to work, you know, to try and make this like shoot style of wrestling. Like, but also like heavily work it to make sure Yano retains the KOVW title because we know they both had the credentials. But the fact that they had these two rounds both kept like three minutes, especially on a nine match card, I was uh, as fun as it was, I was happy they kept it relatively short. Yeah, the, with the card being as long as what it was, I mean, nine matches, well, I, I, the first three just didn't need to be there at all because those first three matches add your entrances, exits, all that sort of stuff. That, that's like what about 40 minutes of the card it's just it's way too much so to have this come in as a nice little breather almost right smack bang in the middle of the card really, I don't think they could have placed this in a better location on the whole card mm-hmm. yeah right in the midpoint right uh, I think right before the break as well so really like smart choice especially gives the crowd a bit of a breather after the House of Torture title in the match before but uh, speaking of championships, we continued on with Desperado taking on Robbie Eagles for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, match was very much based around both men going after each other's leg, with uh, the both having the numero dos and uh, and uh, the Ron Miller special. But in the end, after you know grabbing both his arms and forcing Robbie to verbally submit, he's Robbie two belts no more. Desperado for the second time has regained the Junior Heavyweight Championship, putting him in an interesting position as we're about to head into the best of Super Juniors. I, that, th- this is, again, highlighting my bloody issue with this whole, like, like someone gets two belts, someone challenges for one of the two belts, they they, well, they have to challenge for both the belts, they lose on one of them, but someone else wins it. It was just, ah, why do you keep doing this to me? <laughs> but, I mean, overall, like, like we just knew, we knew right for the get-go this was going to be a good match. Like, these two have got great chemistry, and Despy had his... Had his big match mask on, the one that I just lose my shit over every time I see it with the black and the gold. Love it. Mm. Yeah, that's my favourite of these two masks. I prefer the black and gold one, and it makes a lot of sense because like he really had a hell, of, he had a strong year in twenty twenty, but it went up to a new gear going into twenty twenty one after he had that a uh, that best Super Juniors final with Oromo, and then you see what he's done the last year. He he's held two belts. He finally got Arena's Junior Heavyweight Champion. He got a main event, the anniversary show, and now he heads back into that tournament as the most like you know marked guy in the tournament, being the junior heavyweight champion. And uh, also, Robbie doesn't lose anything as he's still one half of the tag chance. But you know, I think this was definitely the right decision. You know, Robbie got a chance to you know mix it with Desperado and with you know Hiromu, but I think Desperado's the putting it back on Desperado was the right decision. So it was it was nice for Robbie to get the to get the brief run with the belt, you know. At least at least he actually did that. They didn't just do a straight swap. He had that first defence against Roma, which was quite a surprise for us all. But it does feel it's in the right place story wise and everything going into BOSJ. The El Desperado should hold that belt. Mm-hmm. It was really I feel I found Robbie's selling very unsettling. Just the way the screams he was letting out when uh, he got put into the. The number of dots with his leg being bent back and just like, it was smart how they did the finish with him grab one arm but left like another arm free to get the ropes drags him right back to the other and grabs both arms and you no know, hey as Iron Sheet would say he made him humble he made him verbally submit 
Aye, it was a it was a very 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 humble with the uh, the numero dos getting applied. Let, let's face it, that's what I loved about this match as well. I mean, it, like they've got they are guys that can high fly. They've got speed. They've got power. But it's the technicality between these two. I love the I love the submission game, especially the old Desperado plays into the Suzuki Gun. They love their submissions. They love being torturous bastards. Mm-hmm. But uh, Grant, we move into the next match. Match. I was very interested to see how the out- the outcome would be, and uh, I know how you wanted it to go, and it seemed to go the way you wanted. After you know, all sorts of shenanigans with the uh, Kenta trying to get the Kernout win after a slam on the slam on the ramp, uh, setting up a table. But as the rules say, he who sets up the table must go through it, and he got a high five blow off the apron through the table. He had the exposed turnbuckle and all sorts. So, but a year on from when he successfully defended the right to challenge for the US title against against Hiroshi Tanahashi after he broke the bloody briefcase off his damn head. Now he comes back a year later and beats Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP US Championship by using his old favourite, the exposed turnbuckle, followed by the GTS, knocking him the fuck out. <laughs> yes, yes, this this was exactly what I hoped for. And uh, well, we're, we're going to talk about it. I think you know why I'm so excited about this, because of who in particular he may have called out on the back of all this. Well, he called out the other person that uses the go-to-sleep. He called out Punk. Oh, that is interesting. Because, uh, yeah, everybody, I don't know how many people know that Kenta is, is the originator of the movie. I remember, I remember not knowing about it until I got properly into the, the indie scene in like the late 2000s. I didn't, I, first time I saw the GTS would have been with, uh, with CM Punk. But, uh, no, it's not the first time he's uh, made mention of Punk. Like uh, when he made his return in 2017 to NXT and he had that match in Chicago against Root, he said, this seems like the perfect city to bring back my, and all cats, GTS. <laughs> so uh, this is one of those things that's been brewing for, for a long time. Aye, it definitely is. What I, what I think this also has really showcased is that um, in a day and age where you hear lots of like backstage reports from different companies of people refusing to job, refusing to put others over and that, Tanahashi is so selfless. It's only his second defence of the US belt and he, he like Kenta went over him. And it's it feels like Tanahashi feels like a very good person these days that if you need someone to put the belt on for a couple of for two or three defences, just to kinda of keep things relevant and build it up a little bit and then move it to someone who, who seems right for it. Tana is your guy because he always puts on a great match as well. Like when he, whether he's defend, whether he loses the belt or whether he keeps it, you're you're pretty much always guaranteed a reliable, solid match with Tanahashi. So that and this was no exception. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty much what he did with the uh, the Never Title. He may only have a short reign with it, but the fact that he's holding it uh, instantly gives it that a little bit of a bit of credibility. And yeah, like he carried it through the G1. He had that match and. Metalife Dome against Debussy in the main event. So, you know, he's had a hell of a, a ring with it, and we end to see where they go with this. Do they do something with Chase the Winston and further tension in Bullet Club at risk in with Kenta, or do you think they'll, uh, they'll run this again, uh, Tanahashi and Kenta, uh, and a rematch for the title? Because going into it, they were 2-2, two and two, and now Kenta's won up. He's 3-2 and two over, over Tanahashi. I see this this is the this is the bit that I'm interested in. I do wonder like where we I'll I'll be honest, you know, as great as like Chase Owens had 
had the like sort of run in the G1 and stuff like that. He's cleaning over Tanahashi and that. The idea of Chase Owens and Kenta in the Dome does not thrill me in the slightest. <laughs> um, Tanahashi getting an argo at him wouldn't be the worst thing they could do. Um, th- there's there's other options available, but to me, part of me is wondering, is, is it going to come down to, well, is Kenta going to go back home to the US? Is he going to do stuff on strong with that belt? Because mm. that itself could lead to some incredible matchups and perhaps say something um, like there, there's someone that is going to be debuting that we'll be talking about later um, that I think would be a particular match that I would love to see mm-hmm. and that would be Kenta against Buddy Matthews Oh yes because I remember like as the deal with Tammy got that run briefly on 205 Live and why they never put the Cruiserweight belt on him while he was there, I, I'll never understand. But like they did briefly, you know, match up. You know, they had that excellent four-way uh, at the Royal Rumble in 2019. Him, Buddy, I think it was a like Tazawa and Kalisto had a hell of a match. I think they, they teased that oh, it's going to be Hideo and Buddy down the line. Could Hideo be the one to dethrone him? Then like shortly after, oh, he's asked for his release. Oh, all right then. So, uh, <laughs> so getting to see, you know, them with like, you know. He's old saying, you know, the chains being off to set like they two just run wild and batter each other. I'll, I'm all for it, yeah, because Kenna does, you know, live in the US, and I think in the new year we need to do a bit of a swap. You know, Jay White goes back to Japan with that never bell, and, you know, Kenta comes back to the US because uh, I want Jay to be at Wrestle Kingdom, and I want to get his ass back to Japan. Aye, that's, 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 it's, it, uh, I'm like, where is Jay White? Do we need to put the milk carton out for him next? I know, I've got some thoughts about Jay White and he's running his never champion much, but I'll wait till we get to the US portion of this discussion, but uh, speaking of Bullet Club, you know, you know a lot of uh, prominent matches for Bullet Club members, and that continue with uh, Bullet Club's Tamatonga taking on Kazuchika Okada for the right to challenge uh, at the Tokyo Dome because Tam is the one person to actually beat, uh, to actually beat Okada uh, during the G1. You know, it's weird because Going into their match at the G1, I didn't think he was going to be okay. I thought they were both going to, he and Cobb were both going to go undefeated and meet in the final. And then, so we were shocked when, so we were shocked when Tama actually won. What's weird is that this match is seemingly more predictable than their G1 match. And yet, I found it more enjoyable to watch, even though the outcome was even more obvious than the first one. I don't know really know why that is. Uh, you know, they had some really strong back and forth. Tama got some good near falls. They broke out the bloody Sunday. We tribute to uh, the Prince at one point as well. But, you know, Okada, really strong counter of the guns. And like he's, I think there was a counter that Tama had done during the G1 where he flipped him over, then he caught him with the guns. Then. But, but uh, Okada actually had it scouted and managed to hold him there and then actually hit the move he was going for. Uh, as much as we still like the, the money clip, I'm really liking that landslide move because... Half the time, it looks like he's just actually dropped you on your head. Ah, the landslide one is absolutely beautiful, and yeah, I'm I'm with you in this. Like, it was it was kind of obvious Tama was not going to win this match, but my god, the fire that he had coming into it like this, I'm like, where has this Tama Tonga been? Mm-hmm. Where where has this Tama been hiding? Because if he can perform like this, I wouldn't mind seeing him getting a little bit of a singles push in one of the other sort of like belts or something like that, because. He just, he looked the part, he's, like, even, like, the promos leading up to it between him and Okada have been brilliant. Okada's got this kind of fire back in him, um, bordering on heelish, 
if you ask me with his attitude and stuff like that. And yeah. it's it's definitely the the match itself. I couldn't fault it. It was it was a it was a joy to watch, and I really enjoyed their G one match. But yeah, this just blew it right out of the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Okada does bring out the re- uh, the money clip at one point in this, but <coughs> it's not enough to put Tama away. Uh, after he hit the landslide right at the finish point of the match, uh, there's a bit where he was kind of had Tama set up, and he was behind him. I thought, oh, he's not going to finish it with the money clip, is he? But thankfully, no, he picked him up and then hit the. Uh, the rainmaker to finish it off, and uh, you had, you know, Diado, the uh, master heater on the outside, and even he had a look on his face after they got hit with the rainmakers and say, "Ah, oh, fuck, that's it, that's it done." Even he knows that uh, there's no way Tam is getting up from that. Aye, that's it. It's it's good, like the rainmaker kind of disappeared for ages. The move is back. Okada is properly back. It, it is leading to that kind of the the big match fuel. For the dome. <laughs> for the dome. So Okada's on his way to the dome. And we know now for sure that Shingo is on his way to the dome. As uh, he put, I mentioned in my notes, I'm just tired of when we run down a card like so and so beat this person in this match or so and so retained. So as I put in my notes, Shingo got his own back on Zack Sabre Jr. So their third meeting, he's now 2 and 1 over the SG. But uh, it was a hell of a match. They went around thir- just over. Uh, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 27 seconds to be exact. But uh, Zach, you know, took it like, once again. Submission-wise, went right back after that arm on Jingle like he had done before. There was a point where it looked like he choked him out, but he was in the rope, so he had to let him go. Uh, I like that Shingo's been moving more into the submissions as well. The you know, combat Zach, he had that STF locked in at one point. Uh, also, one of the best counters I've seen in a long time, where uh, he had uh, Zach had the armbar on. Jingo, the same one he's beaten him with, with the uh, same one he beat him with in the G1. I don't think he was going to pick him up and he was going like, to do the thing where he power bonds him. No, he then manages to move, move him around, flip him over, and have a quick version of the uh, the last of the dragon. You know, the move that he often finishes people off with, but he can't follow up. He's just so exhausted. Both guys so different exhausted they were, like, as they got closer to the 30 minute mark. And then he had to later on hit a second one. So that really puts over Zach strong, I think, because when was the last time you seen Jingo have to hit two, two last of the dragons to actually beat someone? Usually he only needs one. That's why it's called the last of the dragons, the last thing he needs to properly finish you off. Aye, that's, 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 I mean, the, the sort of the stakes going into this, um, again, kind of part of the issue in this card was perhaps some matches felt a bit predictable, but you just knew the chemistry between Shingo and Zach is next level. Zach's G1 run is possibly his one of his, some of his finest work that he's done in recent years, and he came into this challenge looking a million bucks. You know, he's he's representing the heavyweight tag division as a champion, and he he took Shingo to the to the limit. Like he's he's really really pushed it, and it's it got Shingo kind of pulling out new things as well that we don't usually see at Shingo. So that itself it's a it's a challenger that elevated the champion. And makes me more excited for like Shingo coming into the dome in January mm-hmm. and defending that belt because he's he's made it look brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has. And then we got a little bit of a face-off uh, afterwards between him and Okada. Is usually the tradition is the last big like show before the the dome because I don't think because obviously you know Okada's not going to be anybody world tag league and. 
So, yeah, basically the summary of this is, my belt's better than your belt, I'm the rainmaker, I'm going to win and everything. And yeah, the whole this story, what from what I've seen, is basically who's the strongest champion, because both of them see themselves as the true like champion. Uh, and so they've confirmed this for the first night of this kind of January 4th. Based on the conversation at Power Struggle, like, you can't convince me that Okada's the face out of this thing. So yeah, I agree with you though, that the heelish aspect of it, but we were talking about this earlier on before we started recording that uh, you know, it's very interesting they've chosen the first night of Wrestle Kingdom to have this main event. I would have thought at least the second night, maybe have something else in the third regarding Osprey, because even Kevin Kelly made reference to Osprey after the uh, after Singles Defense said, like, because Kevin Kelly said, that is the true IWGP world champion. Everybody else who makes the claims of that is lying to themselves. Yeah, I think this is like we've we've kind of spitballed this a little bit before, but I think the the sort of the, the main event picture is becoming quite clear, and it's kind of leaning towards what we kicked it off to begin with, which was G one winner and Shingo in night one, Osprey and whoever wins that in night two, and whatever story you get coming out of that, your your night two main event is going to rock big time. Yeah, that's what but the reason I said about the Okada thing match should be on the second night because then if you're going to continue with the Osprey thing, then that should surely be the final night. I know it's not in the Tokyo Dome, but you're calling it Wrestle Kingdom Night 3. Wrestle Kingdom is your best, biggest show of the year. And so the final shot of Wrestle Kingdom should be your world champion, whoever your true world champion is. So we were to think, like, are they going to then save anything with Osprey to the third night and have something else in the second one? So just world champion, something else, and then nights later the uh, match with Osprey is you know I have no idea what what they're thinking of going that but maybe we'll see something happen at a battle in the valley this Saturday because you know Osprey's going to be on that card and Okada's going to be on that card so maybe there'll be a bit of a, a confrontation there because we'll also be saying you know we shouldn't be fighting Shingo you see who the real champion is you should be fighting me I'm the real world champion but but it was something you may mention too about uh, Buddy Matthews he, uh, Okada, after his match with Tanatonga, threw a challenge to Buddy Matthews for Battle in the Valley, and that match has been confirmed in a special singles match. So, uh, yeah, Buddy Matthews, one of his first high-profile matches after being released his first match in New Japan, and he's going up against the biggest guy he could possibly be put against. Yeah, I mean, this this was absolutely massive, the announcement for this Um you know, the whole speculation, like, Buddy had already started doing indie dates and that, and it's the whole speculation, is he going to go to Impact, is he going to go to AEW, and lo and behold, the first kind of big place, not not sure if this is an actual deal, if it's just a couple of appearances, but the first big, big place is New Japan, and who who bigger to go against than the Rainmaker? That's, that's a statement-making match right there. Yeah. They are, I'm pretty sure it was already announced that he was going to be there, but his opponent was never revealed. But then this is a, a hell of a match that he start off, and I'm hoping this is part of a longer deal with him in New Japan. And there's always a chance he can go through these other companies with the Forbidden Door. And this match has actually been booked as the semi-main event for Battle in the Valley, but you can easily make an argument for that to main event, for that to main event the whole show. Uh, we'll come back to Battle in the Valley in a second because we're going to go over to the, the US side of things. And while there's been some really good stuff actually happening since the uh, the show, since Resurgence, and you know the fans coming back to New Japan show, uh, one issue has been in some of these tapings, uh, more so I think the Dallas taping for Autumn Attack, 
BCFC given the venue size, but the first episode from the uh, Philadelphia tapings went up uh, last week and I was watching a bit of it earlier on and given it's in the 2300 arena, the old ECW arena, the crowd looks a lot more full, but you know, I think they need, they need to pick and choose where they choose to run these tapings because uh, attendance didn't all look so good in Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I, I really, I think it was Dallas in particular, it was very, very noticeable. It kind of stood out like a sore thumb. Um, and I think I think a part of that does come down to the fact that when you look at the other American promotions, whether it's WWE, AEW, they've got full big arenas with raucous, rowdy crowds. Mm-hmm. So it, it it felt, it didn't get me wrong, it still felt a step above a clap crowd. But yeah. you still felt... There could be more here. There could there, there's something missing. Yeah, I think you guys pick and choose what cities you go to. I mean, uh, Texas does have a strong history in terms of wrestling, but you know this particular crowd uh, did not help reflect that. And you know every episode you watch, every time they went anywhere near the barricade, it painfully reflected that. But you know now they're they're running the tapings from the ECW arena in Philadelphia. It's a hell of a crowd to be running in front of. Uh, LA seems to be a good city for them because they're going back for Battle in the Valley and I'm sure that'll be a raucous crowd for, for that card and they've got a hell of a card for them so I'll be interested to see like where they choose to go but yeah having a New Japan show with crowds that can make noise is making a hell of a difference because they're going to get back in Japan uh, with still the clap crowds but maybe not for much longer yeah, I'm hoping the clap crowds will be. It's, it seems like Japan are making some changes to their rules about attendance. One of them, apparently, it's, it's going to be in a case by case by the government basis. Is the whole you could potentially have loud crowds, but you have to be willing to cap your capacity at a venue fifty percent, or you could go for a full hundred percent but have a clap crowd. I know which I'd prefer. Yeah, I mean, eventually see what they go for, especially to do with the Tokyo Dome, because you know you still want a big crowd for for that show. But obviously, do you want them to make noise? Do you want to just have a full full dome with, with a clap crowd? Depends what you what you want to do with that. Uh, and I'm hopeful for the dome. They don't they aren't forced to do what they did last time. Have them coming through the dugout. You know, as best they can. They want to come out with the big stage and the massive you no know, entrance. You know, it's the biggest show of the year. Yeah, that's it. They, they, they can't. To me, I feel they can't really afford to have another cut down dome show it needs to be yeah. back to full production otherwise that wrestle kingdom like people are it's going to because let's face it people are kind of in limbo on how they feel in new japan at the moment because aw is on such a hot streak uh, wwe is running itself dog shit with releases <laughs> impact is producing absolute banging shows as well and it, it does kind of feel like new japan it's it's in a very Trying to think the right word. To, it's, it's almost like it's in a kind of in between phase, and it needs it needs something to kind of find its identity again. Because yes, the matches are solid, but things like the clap crowds kind of feels like you're missing a little bit. There's there's definitely things like they've got the potential, but I think they need to they need two things: one, the crowds to be allowed again, and two, uh, to have the travel open up enough to let them bring the full rosters with more ease. Yeah, they're going to uh, put together like a hell of a card for the, the Tokyo Dome uh, to really get fans led back in the side and depend on how the, the outcome of that show may be a big turning point for them. Uh, talk about Buddy coming in a uh, New Japan on one of his first major appearances after being released. You know, 
at this Philadelphia taping we did, we're also going to see matches from the likes of uh, Alex Zane, formerly Ari Sterling, be playing WWE, uh, and Arya Davari is at those tapings as well. So some of those released guys that were recently released, uh, we could see them make their way over to New Japan uh, of America at some point, being on strong, you know, because me and Russell have talked about the, me and Russell will be talking about the releases tomorrow on Central, but, you know, some interesting names that got released there that you could see coming back, you know, Blake Christian, uh, only was only there for a few months, but he's already been released, so maybe see him back, because he was a, I really loved seeing him when he was in uh, the Super J Cup. Ah, that's it. There's um, there's so there's so many good like good potentials there between the WWE releases that could be used, um, Ring of Honor, sort of kind of winding down in the year. There's this is a time that New Japan could make some power grabs. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, no, see, get me see when you got Keith Lee. Now it's a free going to be a free agent soon. Come on, on New Japan, get your finger out, get get the big bear cat into and in New Japan. Yes, that that would. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! I'm just thinking Ke- Keith Lee against Ishii again. Oh, <laughs> hook that to my veins. <laughs> but looking at New Japan Strong and the uh, what's been going on in the last few or the last month or so, there's been some quality stuff coming out of there. Uh, despite the fact they've got their own champion and filthy Tom Lawler, and they've got Jay White there, you know they never open champion. It seems the person who's I mean, more of a focal point than those two is the guy who claims he's a champion but isn't recognised as such. And that's Will Osprey, who's uh, been adding numbers to the, the the United Empire. You know, he's got TJP turning his back on the other LA Dojo graduates and they join up with him in the United Empire. And then over in the UK, Osprey popped the way Rev Pro uh, facing Ricky Knight Jr. And afterwards, uh, Aussie Open were revealed to be the newest members of the United Empire, so you know, it really does feel like a United Empire, a real international feel to this faction. Yeah, like the the whole the Aussie Open one to me was an absolute stroke of genius, and like they're still going strong with that kind of story in Rev Pro at the moment. The, it's even confirmed. Um, I'll, I can just throw this one in there. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, it's the York Hall. It's one of their big shows at Rev Pro, and it's going to be Osprey is defending the Rev Pro belt against Shooter who um, has apparently been over to Japan to get some MRIs and he's apparently healthy. Uh, so he's coming back over. And there's going to be a title match. And that could be fun. Oh yeah, big sure. He was involved in kind of the beatdown post-match because uh, uh, that match is actually on New Japan World. Uh, now Osprey versus Ricky Knight Jr. for the Red Pro title. Uh, also, Aussie Open's match on that same card where they defend their Australian tag titles and they regained the Red Pro tag belts. I'd recommend you go and check out both those matches. I watched them on my lunch break the other week and I was just blown away, you know. I've not watched outside I've watched like the major companies, you know, a lot more in the last year, but I've not really got seen much of proper indie wrestling. And I was reminded how much I really love indie wrestling by <laughs> watching those matches. Uh, it was weird that sure it was on that card. Or no, it wasn't sure it was that Suji was on that card. I believe wrestling Mark Gaskins are like, he's a new Japan boy. Why are you not putting his match on there? Because I would love to have seen that match. Uh, that's I'm, I'm loving seeing like Suji's getting more matches. Uh, I think he he was he was actually against Demo the other night as well. So I would love to see that make its way online because apparently it was just two big lads battering each other. Yeah, 
it seems Osprey has been uh, along with the uh, along with Aussie Open, been making some big waves over in the UK and Ireland because they were they made some appearances for OTT. They took on Damon, the Kings of the North, uh, big OTT show. Uh, Osprey also defended, you know, maybe not recognised, but defended the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against uh, Scotty Davis. So, and he's even put a tweet about tweet about it, like I've been defending today on the US, England, and Ireland. You know. I'm more of a I'm a more of a true world champion than your actual world champion. So further stoking the flames for the inevitable, you know, who's the real champion showdown. Ah, uh, th- this is what to me makes the the United Empire feel a much fresher and more unique fashion faction compared to the others by the fact that with Osprey coming back to the UK and getting his sort of fingers deep into the back into the indie gr- ground again. It, it just it does feel like they're, they're everywhere. They are in the UK, they are in America, they are in Japan. You cannot get away from them. But without the sort of the uh, Bullet Club style shenanigans and sheer volume of numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I feel like they were like the, the smallest, you know, in fact, in terms of numbers, uh, when they just had like three or four, and now they've grown. And hopefully, you know, they're still in single digits, which is right to see from a new Japan faction. Let's hope they don't, you know, overdo it. With the, you know, the recruitments, let's just stick to who we have for now, because uh, at the minute, uh, Jeff Gold's coming back over to the, the US, and so he, TJ and Osprey are going to be wrecking some shit over in New Japan Strong, which will be interesting to see. Yeah, that's it. There's there's so many, so many great, great things happening right, right now with all this, and yes, like, it's... It feels, it feels like for a while, you know, it was strong kind of almost got forgotten about because we were so heavy in the G1 season. It always happens, but Strong's putting on some great matches right now. It really is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so much to cover. I don't think we'll get to all, you know, you got Suzuki and Archer getting to team up against Waller and I, uh, Royce Isaacs. You had a dream match for me uh, with Ishimori taking on Leo Rush. But one of my favourites was uh, the final blow-off to the Juice Robinson Hikaleo feud. A part of Omitat, they had themselves a little Texas bull rope match because uh, it's in Texas. Uh, <laughs> and that was a, a violent match. You know, you got to, it's nice to see all this. It's a New Japan like show, but you get to see more Western elements, so, which is part of the beauty of uh, New Japan Strong. But those are just some of my highlights. Like the, If I just recommend one match, might be the, the, the bull rope match that's happened in the last month to go check out. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the bull rope match as well. And it's to me, they've done a really good job of putting Hikuleo over between having them appear on Impact as well as New Japan Strong. Um, remembering them from sort of like when he was still kind of getting fr- still quite fresh, like he stood out amongst the other young lions just based on his sheer bloody size. But he's really came on so much between his excursion to the UK, getting to Impact, getting back to Strong. He's but the good thing is he's not. It doesn't feel like he's completely rode on the coattails of the the rest of the Bullet Club. It feels like he's kind of doing his own thing, mm-hmm. and I love it. Yeah, he's doing really well because also he's also making waves alongside Chris Bay and ELP or an Impact team. Chris Bay are making you know big strides you know towards potentially becoming I do becoming the Impact Tag Team Champions, which will be very interesting to see. You know that happen. You know, some more gold for Bullet Club, but you know on the thirteenth. Uh, this Saturday, it's a big day for wrestling. Uh, we already mentioned Best Super Juniors starts on that day, and the following day is World Tag League, the first day of that, and the Wolf will alternate throughout November and December. It's also got bloody full gear, which me and Ross talk about on Central, but, you know, if that wasn't enough, over here in the US, 
you've got uh, New Japan Strong putting on Battle in the Valley, and they've got a stacked guard to run down some of the few of these matches. You've got Yuamura taking on Impact Josh Alexander, which I'm really looking forward to. You got Team Filthy, another big multi-man match, you know, taking on the team of Fred Rosser, David Finley, Rocky Romero, Alex Gordon, and Alex Zane. I really look forward to see Alex Zane again. He was he popped up uh the Impact team before Bound for Glory and you know he's just as exciting to watch as ever. Uh Jeff Cobb and TJP representing the United Empire looking at batter some more LA Dojo boys taking on Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks. Uh Will Osprey will also be in action taking on Ren Narita. Just Robinson will be taking on current Impact World Champion Moose. Uh, therefore mentioned Kuzuchika Okada versus Buddy, uh, versus Buddy Matthews match and the main event is never open weight champion Jay White taking on Tomohiro Ishii for that championship and Ishii must win otherwise he will never challenge for that title again <laughs> yeah you got you got to love when they put a stipulation on like that because it just kind of I don't know about you, but I feel sometimes it just kills the momentum, like going into the match. I'm like, oh, so if he loses, it's like we've kind of told me what's going to happen here. Unless yeah. you're going to shock me and say that he's actually going to lose, which I, I'll be honest, I kind of forgot the open weight belt existed for a while there. Yeah, because it seems to be Ishii's like main belt. He said like he's been, he had some of the things had like five reigns almost with that belt. You know, there's no way I see belt from it. Went so. You gotta wonder if he can't win that. Then what's is Ishii done in the singles division? Because as much as people would like it, they don't seem to want to put the world belt on him. Uh, so other than so basically, if he, either he goes in a tag and six man teams for the registry, or, or basically his only singles goal is to win the US title. So it's weird how they did this. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, I forgot about the, the never belt because they set up the Ishii match at Resurgence. They had a tape and fall on that. Just decided not to do the match there because Jay White doesn't want to face him. But then the September and October tapings, Jay was there, but ECU had to go back to Japan for the G1. So they, and then, so they chose on those tapings not to have somebody new challenge Jay White for the title for some reason. So he waited ages to face Finlay, finally a resurgence, and then waited all the way back to November to have his second defence. Uh, because it feels like Jay White's had that belt forever, but yeah, it was, yeah this is only his second defence. I know New Japan like to separate defences, but this is taking the piss. I know it was starting to get to that point where I was like, wait, are they about to go and do a John Moxley on us with a US belt? So that was mm-hmm. that was taking the piss as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to some extent, there was some travel protections, but as soon as he was able to come back and fight Kenta, he more than made up for that because he get then he was defended on AEW, he was coming over to Strong. I mean. He's all over the place with uh, with John Moxley. Hold on, let me just check something here. Let's let's see when this bastard won this title. <laughs> May, May third at Wrestling Dontaku. He won the title in May. He defended it in August, and now he's defending it again in October. Come on, come on, he fucks you. I know. I just it, it, I, I don't know if like has it have is it just like is it just been the way they booked it is. Sometimes I do wonder in New Japan because they like to keep things like injuries and that very quiet, and they've got so many moving pieces. Is it a case of was there maybe a like, slight niggling injury or what? And they needed a lot of time off, but you know they don't often announce them unless it's like really major injuries. Mm-hmm. There's so many potential, but I'm just like, come on! <laughs> I know it's absolutely shocking, but 
Uh, other than that match and the match we already talked about with Matthews and Okada, what else from the, that card really stands out to you and gets excited to check out? I'd say there's there's two matches in particular. Um, Yuya Yamura and Josh Alexander. That that just, I am expecting, I've got big hopes for that. That really stands out to me as a, a beautiful, beautiful matchup. And the other one um, for me is actually Narita and Osprey because Narita has been looking absolutely outstanding lately to the point, there's actually a couple of times I, I, like when you look at him, it's like, holy shit, he looks like Shibata 2.0. <laughs> and I, I reckon this is going to be a good a good measuring stick for Narita's further potential by putting him against one of the best there is in the whole world um, and seeing how he holds up against that. So th- those matches like that and the Josh Alexander, because I just think Josh Alexander is a fantastic wrestler to watch and I, I could watch him all day long. It's just, he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really love, love Josh Alexander and you know, he, I would really love to see him in New Japan more and so would he. Uh, Asked them about it on an impact press call before Brown for Glory. We the highlights of which are on our, our Twitter page at Suplex Retweet. Uh, there you go, not even missing about. So, yeah, if this is the way you get him more into New Japan, then I'm all for it. Uh, also, getting to see Miss, you know, now the Impact World Champion. You know, we've seen him have that hell of a match with ECE back at Resurgence, but now he's mixed it up with uh, Just Robinson as well. You know, really interesting match up there. And, yeah, he's another big guy. I really want to see him mix up more in, in New Japan. So, yeah, I think getting to see Moose is the one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, that's that's got a... I, I know for like Juice, this is going to be a very kind of uh, a crucial time for him because there has been talks. Apparently his contract is almost up with New Japan. Um, and I reckon if we keep a close eye on his booking over the next couple of months, it's going to tell us whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to go, because apparently he's going to be fielding some interesting offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the report said, multiple promotions are interested in, in just Robinson, but they haven't no word yet on what those promotions, which promotions they are. You already think EW is one of them, maybe Impact, given he spent so much time there recently. I doubt it would be WWE, because uh, you know, the whole idea of them not actively pursuing indie talent anymore with the new direction of NXT. So you I think it's uh, but either way, even if he signs with Impact or AW, there's still a chance with the Forbidden he could end up back with the odd one off appearance in New Japan. So it's not as if it's a major loss to them. Yeah, that's I, I do feel like Juice and um, Finlay have to an extent like Finn Juice have felt kinda of lost in the shuffle a bit recently over the last few months. Um I reckon the next few couple of months they've got two options, either kind of find them back into the shuffle or I do see Juice going elsewhere. Only way I could see him going to WWE, it would have to be straight to main roster, probably wherever Tony is since that is his fiance. Um But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an interesting time for, for Juice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just see how the match goes because... Uh, yeah, I think with Impact then their champion are there to lose, so I think this is good, probably going to win that. Also, to see how TJP and Jeff Cobb mix up as a team as part of the United Empire. Uh, so, yeah, a lot to be looking forward to on that card. Uh, I'm going to have a hell of a time figuring out what I'm going to watch, because uh, Full Gear I'm probably going to watch on the Sunday and rather than staying up for it. But, uh, I'm wondering if they'll watch Battle of Probably Super Juniors, I think, will be out first. Uh, I've got to make sure I, I 
schedule my wrestling watching and avoid as few spoilers as possible because the 13th is also the day I've decided to go see the Eternals. So, <laughs> so I have a bit of bloody social media blackout because uh, I don't want anything spoiled for me wrestling with. Aye, that that's going to be like that. It's pretty much a case of watch best of Super Juniors for me. Stay up overnight to watch Full Gear and probably watch Battle in the Valley on the Sunday. Just completely wrestling out my nut. <laughs> it's like that meme of Homer after eat the cheese. Have you been up all night watching wrestling? I think I'm blind. That is exactly going to be it. <laughs> that is exactly it. As you mentioned, uh, on Monday the 15th of November, the uh, the next taping for New Japan uh, Detonation. Uh, it seems like a one-day taping, so I don't know if it will be through the end of the year if they'll have another taping on there. But uh, just kind of running some matches that have been uh, announced or at least placed on New Japan's website for that taping. And I'll get your thoughts on them. Uh, Alex Coughlin, he's continuing his Open Challenge series, which has been answered by Josh Barnett. So, uh, careful what you wish for there, Alex. Uh, who else we got? We got the United Empire, TJV, Will Osprey, and Jeff Cobb taking on Narita, Connors, and Fredericks. So, nothing's really going to get settled in Battle of the Valley. Gabriel Kidd's back, and he's going to be taking on Jonathan Gresham. Uh, we've got Hikaleo and Jay White taking on Chris Dickinson and Alex Zane. Uh, if Ishii wins that match at Battle in the Valley then I hope this match he's got the taping is for that title if he wins it's Ishii versus Brody King and uh, Tom Lord is going to be defending his strong open weight title at this taping against Fred Rosser Right now that, that card is pretty tasty there's a, there's a few tasty ones and to Ishii and Brody King that's just dream match material for me That That is just violence <laughs> It's like if you look up the word violence in the dictionary, there's a picture that used to just staring at each other. I mean that that is just ah, oh, it's gonna be it's going and this is the thing like Brody King being Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor lining up. Brody King either get him into New Japan full and proper, or get him into AW to do a full time Kings of the Black Throne with Malachi Black and AW. Just Brody King deserves it all. The man is a monster in the ring. It is beautiful to watch. Yeah. Like, I mentioned about the WWE releases. I mean, the Ring of Honor thing is going to be interesting over the next couple of months because you got to think some people might choose to then, like, sign a more long-term deal with other companies rather than going back to the buy appearance thing with Ring of Honor. So they might choose to go to Japan, AEW, Impact. So seeing Jonathan Gresham on this card is very interesting, especially against Gabriel Kidd, who we haven't really seen in a while, but... Talking about like if just went to WWE mainly to be with Sony, I think Gresham to me I think makes more sense for Gresham to actually sign with Impact, given uh, his wife Jordan Grace works there as well. But you know, nice to see him on this card and nice to see Gabriel Kidd back. Yeah, I've I've seen um, from another taping like uh, the the clip the promo that Gabriel Kidd cut um, explaining sort of where he's been and kind of like Moxley um, being very brave with these issues, putting it out there and doing the right thing and getting help and I really I hope all the best for Gabriel Kidd now that he's coming back because I've missed him he's been an absolute workhorse as a young lion and he deserves the world so getting this match with Gresham I cannot wait to watch that I cannot wait as well, I've only ever seen Gabriel Kidd live once and that was at an ICW taping against uh, Liam Thompson but I still remember that being a hell of a match. So, you know, like I said, I, I wish all the best for Ricky Rocket as well. But uh, 
we've already talked a bit about the rally that happens on the, the 13th, and we'll also be talking about Full Gear and Central, which happens on the 13th. So you now let's talk about that third thing that happens on that same date, which is best of the Super Juniors. Uh, like last year, we're only going to have one block for the participants. Uh, we're going to have 12 participants in this tournament. I'm going to run down the matches for the first night of the tournament that have been announced. Uh, I'll go from bottom to top because I believe that they've really wheeled the match order. Also, you got the match with the two young lions, which is probably going to happen on just about every card. Uh, you got Bushi taking on Doki in the battle of where the two guys are probably going to lose a lot. So let's just say who the biggest loser is right off the bat. <laughs> Old strategy, Cotton. Uh, you got Kanamaru taking on Taiji Ishimori. Uh, Taguchi taking on Robbie Eagles. ELP, no, he hasn't been was in it last year, but he's getting to be in it this year. Taking on Master Watto. Uh, Yo taking on last year's winner, Hiromu Takashi. And in the main event, we got uh, El Desperado, the junior heavyweight champion, taking on Show. Uh, I, I gotta say, you know, that Show El Desperado match for the main event, that could just be match determined right off the bat. Yeah, this like, I, I think what's going to make it so interesting is the fact that both men are sitting um, singles records against each other, one apiece. The big thing for me is show's new personality. The Bullet Club House of Torture heel show. This is going to play differently like to the old show that Desperado has faced in the past. Um, so this one... It's, it's, it does. It has match of the tournament written all over it, and like it could set the tone for the entire tournament to follow, based on how this plays out. Uh, they're also going to have a lot of like partners and stablemates fighting each other here, because eventually you're going to have Hiromu versus Bushi, uh, probably Kanemaru versus Desperado at one point, uh, Wato v Taguchi, Ichimori v ELP at one point, which I'm very interested to see how that goes down. Uh, no, I'm all, I'm behind ELP all the way. <laughs> Uh, but also, we you talked about it, show and yo, like hopefully that's a towards the end of the tournament match because that is going to be, you know, that's a blood feud. You know, I want to see, you know, I want to see them just tear each other apart. Yeah, I I love the idea of yo and show being a kind of like decider. Whoever wins that gets into the finals match. Like that's it has huge huge story written all over it. Um, so yeah. I, I definitely want them to. Like, there's certain matches I want them to leave for right near the end. Um, two of those matches I want left for the the end are Yo and Show, and the other big one for me is going to be ELP and um, Hiromu. I want those two matches to be on the final night. Yeah, I thought we only got a small sample of what they could do in that Red Kingdom match they had, because then we were meant to get another match between those two for the title at one point. And then Hiromu got injured and had to vacate the title. So, you know, ELP deserves a proper go at that junior heavyweight championship. You know, Ishimori's had his turn, and I think now it's ELP's time. And now, last year, we were talking about how much of an afterthought Ishimori felt despite being the junior heavyweight champion. Like, he only main evented like, every so often, whereas most of the nights were main evented by the likes of Hiromu. And I had a quick look at some of the uh, the dates for the, for the best super juniors. It looks like Desperados. Uh, main event in most of those, so yeah, even Desperado as champions getting more consideration than Buddy Ishimori was. I I always feel Ishimori's like junior, like singles run. I always feel he got a little bit um, hard done by, to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
um, it was just, it's just one that it's maybe that's just the way it's sort. Oh my god, I just realised they've actually put up the entire the like the entire um, uh, best of Super Juniors like lineup, so I can actually check who's on the final nights of the. <laughs> I need to find this out now. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see if we're getting our if we're getting our wishes for those uh, matches on the final night. So the final night of um, block matches. Oh, El Desperado and El Fantasmo. See, I actually had a scroll down. There's no announcement of show and yo, but it's that there's two vacant spots here. It says match order determined by league standings, so whoever's in the lead. So I have a feeling, given that these are the only two you can't see, that maybe they are saving show and yo for the last night. Because I can't see them on the match. Listen, but on the final night, we are getting Eagles v Hiroma. It's uh, that is that is going to be brilliant. There's honestly they're they're actually spoiling us with some of the potential matchups. I know some people might say that the the lineup isn't exactly the most surprising, but at the same time, looking at it, there's so many solid matches that are going to come out of this out of this best of Super Juniors. Um, I feel it's going to be a step up from last year. I felt last year's wasn't exactly a bad a bad watch either. Yeah. Uh, the one block format is very interesting uh, to follow. So I'm going to ask about the or the participants particularly chosen. I mean, very few surprises really when you think about it. But Farm is interested to see that they chose not to you know help take a punt and maybe include Tiger Mask, considering the fact he's one half of the, the junior tag champs. They've only had one half involved with Robbie Eagles. But I know Tiger Mask probably when they get many wins, but you know. He has a history with the tournament. He's the only person to win it back-to-back years uh, to date, that is. So it would be interesting to see him get to mix up with some of the you know, current-day guys. But, you know, is there anybody you would have seen in the tournament that isn't in there? I mean, from the kind of like the, the roster in Japan, there isn't really anyone that I could think of that, that you could roll because the new young lines are still too fresh. Yeah. Um, and the only other people I can think that are kind of like that junior build are all, well, they're they're not in Japan currently, <laughs> and yeah, I I would have liked to have seen maybe like a cut. There's a couple of options they could have brought over from like New Japan Strong that would definitely like. Um, I'm throwing it out here for next year. I'm willing it into the universe. Give me Jonathan Gresham and the best of Super Juniors. Absolutely, give me buddy, give buddy Blake Christian in there as well. Well, why not? That would be absolutely fantastic. But for this year, I will settle with Big Match Taguchi taking it home for me. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you want because uh, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Tiger Math, I almost said Tiger King for some reason, I've got that in my mind because that season 2 is coming to Netflix and uh, <laughs> now I'm just imagining a, a Tiger Math promo but dubbed it over with Joe Exotic <laughs> Joe Exotic for Best of Super Juniors 2022 <laughs> God damn Tag Uchi <laughs> <laughs> but like, so you got Tiger Mask and Robbie Eagles as the 68th and current reigning senior tag champs. And I know your wish and Taguchi's wish is to, for him and Master Water to be the 69th champion. So uh, we just need either Taguchi or Wato or even both of them to get a, a win over Eagles. And that match could be set for the Tokyo Dome. Oh, God, yes. Make it. Make it happen. The gods, make it happen. Put the Ass Masters with the junior heavyweight tag belts that they were at Wrestle Kingdom. But yes, the heart wants to Gucci, but the mind is sensible. The mind is like you back in ELP. Because uh, to me, ELP deserves it. He has been 
an absolute like cornerstone of this junior division over the pandemic. He has just been fun. Like I, I just love him. Like there, there is no way I can see past him. He just uh, like just now is the time. Now is the time to do some fresh things, in New Japan. Give us the Ass Masters with the belts, and give us ELP in the Wrestle Kingdom event for the for the junior belt. For me, this tournament's a really, really a three-horse race. I mean, Desperado's going to do well as champion, but for me, it's a three-horse race between ELP, uh, Show, and and Hiromu. You know, do they want to do Hiromu Desperado again? But this time at Wrestle Kingdom, is this work? Is Hiromu going to get to the main event one night of the of Wrestle Kingdom? There are three of them. You know, finally give him his wish that he's been going on about, or you know, because the show when I think. We go him going on to win the title and then eventually dropping it to you. But you gotta wonder, do they see that as maybe being too soon for him, given he's already one third of the six man champs? Yeah, that's it. There's there's so many like sort of little potential obstacles. My my biggest worry with um, Hiromu is he's had he's had very unfortunate luck injury the last couple of years, um, and part of me does wonder if you know. Because you know, as, as much as I hate it being held against people because injuries happen, is is there going to be maybe a little bit of concern from like the kind of the higher ups going? Well, we, we tried this twice already, and it look where it ended up. So, yeah, you know, may, maybe they want to just play it a little bit safer. Because to me, I also love the idea of um, Hiromu and Bushi getting the junior heavyweight tag belts. Because if I remember correctly, that is one thing that Hiromu has not done. Yeah, we were talking about it in the past. Uh how it's weird that that's one of the few things he has done, the fact that Bushi's been both junior heavyweight and tag champ at various points, even though he's only junior champ for like a week or so, but like the fact that he's had both belts and Hiromu hasn't uh, is so weird. As you just mentioned, uh, just a week double check, the 21st of November, which is the fourth night of the Super Juniors uh, match, is that's when we're getting the, uh, the rematch from last year's final between Desperado and Hiromu. Which is definitely one to uh, all eyes focused on. Yeah, that's this is going to be interesting because I think the single block format makes it interesting for tiebreaker situations and the yeah. fact that the the fact of the matter is that if they if they do it right, I'm not going to complain if our three like our kind of three horse race was to technically be like a the finals to have like a, like a triple threat. I wouldn't complain about that because one thing I do like sometimes triple threats can be a little bit iffy. But if there's any division in the place that can do a triple threat right, it's the juniors. They seem to have that down. Yeah, so yeah, I agree with you. So we didn't see where that goes. But uh, shows like the dark horse outside bet for me, ELP and Hiromu are the two the two favourites. They're the neck and neck for me and who's actually gonna come out on top. Yeah, I I, I think you're 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 not entirely wrong with those those guesses because the, the, there is the sort of like there. Well, so let's face it, El Desperado is a champion, and when it comes to story, your most sensible stories are either ELP or Hiromu because they have long-running histories of feuds with each other. Um, and and the fact, well, for El Desperado and ELP, it's the fact that ELP's never had that that proper crack. I think we mentioned it earlier since uh, since since he took a crack at Osprey a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. With it 2019 because like because like that's when Robbie Eagles broke away. So you had the Robbie Eagles and Osprey feuding them with Ishimori and ELP over the tags and the, the junior belt because 
I think he got a title shot because he won the, the Super J Cup in 2019. So, yeah, then he got a shot. So he hasn't really had a single shot, really, because he had that triple threat when Hiromu got injured. But in terms of a one-on-one crack at it, yeah, it's been far too long for him. Aye, definitely. It's been far, far too long. So I, I feel that it's been my biggest issue in New Japan this year is that there has been times where I feel they, they've had the, ch- the chance to do fresh things and perhaps it's just playing it a bit safe because everything's happened and that's why they've went to the well with certain things like Okada winning the G1 that. So please, please, do like the juniors, give us something fresh. Give us that. Absolutely. Like even you can even do that nice because like even though to uh, even though Suzuki are kind of rule breakers, the uh, like Desperado particularly has kind of become more of a fan favorite and feeling more faith like given these like given these the last year or so. So they could easily do this. And plus, ELP is so unlikable that it'll turn anybody face if they go up against them. I know that's what I love. But ELP is able to just do dickhead so well. It's amazing. <laughs> It's all going down on the 13th, but as I said, the Super Juniors continues, but in between, uh, they've got also got the World Tag League, so two tournaments in one, aren't we just lucky boys? Uh, so the 13th is the Super Juniors uh, kickoff. The following day, we have the World Tag League, and we have announced, we have the announced teams and the lineup for the first day on the 14th, it's on the 14th of November. And some very interesting... Uh, Teams this year, I think a lot of them have to do with the uh, lack of uh, a lot of the international talent being able to come over. So, obviously, no Finjuice this year. Uh, we have, and we'll, I'll go into the matches as the difference for juniors uh, for the first night, and that will reveal who's involved. We got Dangerous Checkers, the, uh, the current IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. The second year in a row they went into this tournament as the champions. Taking on another Suzuki Gun version team of Minoru Suzuki and the returning Taka Michinoku. Ooh, very, very interesting. We'll come back to him in a second. Uh, Yuji Nagata will team with Tiger Mask, which I think is weird because he's not, is he not maybe in the junior division? I didn't think juniors were allowed to compete in World Tag League. Uh, taking on Tenkozi, that being Kojima and Tenzan, multiple time tag team champions in their own right. We also have a great bash shield, uh, two-time four winners of World Tag League, taking on Gorillas of Destiny, being last year's, being last year's winners. Uh, the United Empire, as represented by Hanari and the Great Okan, will take on Grant's favourite team, representing Bullet Club of Bad Luck Valley and Chase Owens. Hiroshi Tanahashi will team with Toriano to take on the House of Tortures, Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, well, show represents obviously in the other tournament, and the main event we'll, of the first night will see the Chaos team of Hiroki Koto and Yoshihashi taking on the LIG representing team of Sanada and a returning Naito, who is back from injury. Thankfully, he's not going to miss out on the World Tag League, and thankfully not miss out on Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, so, Grant, before we talk about favourites and what matches you're looking forward to, fucking Takemichinoku's back. That was like the big massive surprise. I was like, I was like, right, they're holding this up. There, there's, there's a delay in the announcement. What's going on here? And now I just can't wait. I'm like, please tell me they're going to bring back his music so I get to hear his Taka is coming, motherfucker. 
I mean, it's brilliant because yeah. I, I like how they've glazed over the fact that like it's just like ah yeah, he's been gone for two years. He's been like too busy heading up his own dojo and his own promotion. Nothing about the fact that he was shagging another promoter's wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just sweep that under the rug. Yeah. So I'm glad to see him back. I kind of missed him. I liked what he was doing before he left when he was uh, kind of Zach's manager, and they were almost a a team before Zach's paired him with Tai Chi. Uh, and I have fond memories of, of Taka uh, back in his WWF days. Uh, what's interesting, actually, is obviously Suzuki and Taka will inevitably come up against Yujiro and Evil, who are by Dick Togo. So there you go, we've got a bit of a Kai and Tai reunion. They're all needs of appearance from SmackDown's number one announcer, Finaki, and we've got the full set here. <laughs> oh my god, what a reunion that would be. <laughs> oh. We didn't see it dimension because you got Kevin Kelly on commentary who would have been around at that time. So I'll be interested to see an interaction between Taka and Togo. Uh, but as much as I was saying about the Super Juniors and that there's some unpredictability, there's like two or three different potential winners of it. Uh, to me, World Tag League seems a bit more cut and dry. It feels like, uh, given that they've been feeding on an awful dangerous takers this past year, is it just me that feels like LIG are pretty much being set up to win this whole thing? Aye, it kind of it kind of feels that that way to me. Um, like the the fact that rather than just doing a casual oh night was back, the fact they actually had him sort of do like a miniature press conference, make the announcement, it kind of feels like they made a really big deal out of that. And the fact that they're the World Tag League, I I don't see. To me, it just feels clear cut. There's maybe one or two other teams that I could see being in contention for it, but I'm struggling to see past the LIJ duo, really. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, I enjoyed uh, Sanada's team with Shingo last year. I thought they were dark horse picks to win it, but also Shingo's got other things to think about with the World Heavyweight title. Uh, so now Sanada and uh, Naito, they've formed you know, this, a solid team this year. And, you know, it'd be interesting because, you know, it would also mean a prominent spot for Naito at Wrestle Kingdom because, you know, he was in the main event of the last two uh, Wrestle Kingdoms, so it would feel weird not to have him featured in a prominent spot, even if it's just emails for the titles. At least he gets to be featured in a, a championship match on New Japan's biggest show. Aye, there's, there's uh, definitely it's. I have to admit, like the, the kind of like that lineup on the first day in particular, it feels to me. I, I don't know about you, but it feels like they're throwing some of the big matches out straight from the get go. Yeah, because Goto and Yoshashi are a solid team and they're on right and having them against LIJ does feel like a the most logical for the main event of the first night that's a big match right off the get go. I think kind of an outside bet or kind of just establish themselves as the future contenders will be the United Empire. I think they'll have a strong showing for themselves but they won't win it. Uh and I think maybe I think I can see the actual finals of the of the World Tag League being on the uh, on the fifteenth, being God versus Zanada and Naito, I think we might want to save that match for. Like, I think that's the biggest match you can possibly have for like, the final night. Yeah, that that to me because let, let's face it, God are pretty much the uh, the benchmark. They're the measuring mm-hmm. stick for the entire heavyweight tag division. While Dangerous Techers have pretty much run roughshod on it for the last like pretty much what year and a bit. There's no denying G.O.D. and the whole history of New Japan are pretty much that is your... You you need to be able to go over them. You need to make it look good to be in contention for those titles. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so also there are also last year's winners, and they only won it for the first time last year. Uh, so eventually, see like them trying to make their way back, go back to back, and then come against the the fan favourites in LIG. I think really the well, I'm interested to see what Hanari and Okan do. I think the the three most interesting teams in this uh, are God, LIG, and you know Dangerous Techers, and they're the champions, and they probably won't win it, but I think they're again one of the most solid teams that they have right now. And I'm actually shocked that exactly they're throwing matches that is in the first night that maybe should have been saved for later on. They're throwing at us in the first night, them taking on their stablemates Taka and Suzuki, who also be an interesting team to see because uh, you know, we missed out on Suzuki and the G1 this year. But you know, getting to see Suzuki run rough shot in a major tournament again. Yeah, getting like Suzuki um back back in after a big nice long tour in America, getting them back to the home fans, putting them with Taka. And you know, this is where I'm eating my words earlier because well when we started this recording, which was technically yesterday, at that point we didn't know, and I, I slipped up by going, oh, well, Suzuki could come back, oh, no, wait, there's no one for me to be with. Thanks for that, New Japan, thanks. Like, this recording is going to make me look like a total ass for that. <laughs> but, like, I, like, the fact that, like, straight off the get-go, we're going to get Suzuki and Taka against Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichi, and I am absolutely buzzing to see how the interaction is going to be, be between Taka and Zack. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because uh, obviously he gave Zach, you know, the Michinoku driver, which he then renamed to the Zach driver, and he got really close to to, and he got really close like to fall on Shingo with that move. So, is he Taka? No, bring it back. You know, the originator using that move. Uh, how do you feel about you know some of the other teams they've got here? Because it does feel like a case of you know filling out the. Uh, at the bracket. I'm sure Yujiro and Evo will be the team that everybody's rooting firmly against. I believe they're actually fighting uh, on the match. They'll determine who goes through to the finals on the on the 15th, on the, uh, the on the 12th, the final day of World Tag League, that decides who goes through to the actual finals. Evil and Yujiro are taking on LIG. So it feels like they're, they're going to be LIG's last obstacle on the way to the on the way to the final to make them going through feel that much more joyous, like whenever they put Rowan Reigns in the last two of the Rumble so they could get a bigger pop when somebody eliminated him. I, looking at some of the other teams, um, th- there's two teams that really particularly stand out to me as, as odd. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll address the elephant in the room. Why the fuck is Yano with Tanahashi? What the fuck is that about? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, you got Nagai in here, why didn't you... No, I thought, like... Well, having Nagata and Yano Boko got the Iron to wrestling background also, you know, one of them's super serious, one of them's a bit silly. They're the original odd couple, like come on, that'd be, that would be even that would be even wilder of an odd couple team just so who wouldn't want to root for Nagata and, and Yano? I know, exactly that's it. That would have made more sensible. And you know, it, we we've made the point as well. Tiger Mask with Nagata. Tiger Mask is the junior heavyweight tag team champion with Robbie Eagles. So doing this, it, it makes no sense to me. Um, and it kind of makes me go, like, what is the point in there being, as we've kind of addressed a couple of times over the pandemic, what is the point in New Japan having separate divisions at this rate, or at least in the tag side of things? Like, at this rate, are we just as well saying, bugger the heavyweight tag belts, bugger the junior heavyweight, let's just combine them together and make an openweight tag team division where anyone can go for it. Because sometimes uh-huh. I think that could actually resolve a lot of problems that they've got right now with their tag divisions. Yeah, 
I just remember when I saw that, I was like, wait, he's, a, he's one of the junior bloody tag champs. I mean, I don't know what reason they have for this. Because I think that just screams, we want a, and this, you know, we're a team short, we want to get in, but we have nobody on the actual New Japan roster uh, to team him with. So they just threw this together, which mm, I, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, you got Tanahashi. I think yeah, I know team with Tanahashi is they wanted to keep Tanahashi around, but you know I don't know why they couldn't find someone else for Buddy Kenta to face. Why isn't Kenta teaming with Jay Owens instead of Bad Luck Valley? I mean, I like Bad Luck Valley, you know, salute him and all that. But you know, again, you know they got like a total of what two wins last year. I don't see them getting many more than that this year if even they get two wins. Yeah, I, th- I think I think they missed a golden opportunity by not having Kent on it because, well, Kent has just won that US title belt as we were talking about earlier, um, and you don't have a lot of time to build feuds between now and the dome for the singles belts because we are pretty much dominating from now to like the middle of December with tag tag wrestling and junior and the best of super juniors. So, to me, this could be a great way because you could have had Kent in a team. And have whoever his partner was say it was Chase. Chase could eat the pin most of the times, but then mm-hmm. what if there's a night where it isn't Chase that eats the pin? What if someone like Suzuki got the pin on Kenta or yeah. Taka for that for that matter? And you have a new feud for the US belt to go into Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, or you have like him come against Yano and and, Ta- and Tanahashi and have Tanahashi pin him to say what's his rematch at the Dome. Uh, because like the only match I think that's uh, very interesting to me for Chase and and Fally is to see them go up against Yano and and Tanahashi because obviously Chase got that one over Tanahashi in the G1 and he wanted the title shot but Kenta took it so you could have him still say Tanahashi like hey but before you get your rematch I want Kenta and then Tana pins Chase to say no I'm going first my, I get my rematch first against Kenta uh, but other than that I don't see much else for. Uh, that interests me with Chase and, and Fally. It's interesting that they've got like some established teams, the guys who were like figureheads of like the tag division before, are now helping fill it out. Like uh, Tenkozy coming back, you know, they held the record for most IWGP heavyweight tag title reigns before GOD broke it. And then you got Great Bashiel, they won it in 20, they won the World Tag League in 2015 and 16, uh, beating the Good Brothers for the tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom 10. And then being a triple threat wrestling game eleven, which also involved GOD. So, you know, they've got tag teams with history, even though they probably won't. So, so you've got a lot of tag teams that you wouldn't think would get many wins in, you know, a traditional field. But now they also got history. So some of these matchups will be quite interesting, like getting to see Tenkozy taking on like Great Bash Heel, or seeing these guys mix up with like the House of Torture. Yeah, and I think um, the likes of Tenkozy and Great Bash Heel don't overlook them. Yes, mm-hmm. the guys are getting a bit older, they're getting a bit long in the tooth, but they can still go. And the fact that the way the cards have been over the last couple of months, they've not been used a lot either. Like They've just had the odd match here and there, like warm-ups and the G1 nights and things like that. So they've kind of kept fresh in that way. But they're compared to some of the people in this roster, like Owens is only just off the back of the G1. He's not exactly had a lot of time to recover. Same with Evil in that. Some of these older guys could use that to their advantage. And there could be... You know, expect a couple of upsets in there to keep things fresh because if we know one thing, even though we're saying it feels obvious way, Night on Sonata, don't be surprised if the path for Night on Sonata doesn't look exactly the easiest to begin. 
yeah, I'm interested to see like what kind of upset wins they potentially these guys can can get. Because obviously you got Great Bashil taking on Tamatonga and Tango, and they've actually beaten these guys in World Tag League. Great Bashil has have beaten them in World Tag League before. So you know, like you said, don't count them out. And you know, Kojima, we've seen when he wrestled John Moxley on AEW, and when he's a part of a new Japan strong, he can still he can still go. Uh, do you think, though, with some of the choices in this uh, field and with the questionable decisions of like having Tiger Mask in there, that this is a case of uh, the, this more so than Super Juniors is really feeling the burden of uh, not being able to bring in international talent because you've got a strong field even on the Super Juniors, even with the guys you already had there. But, you know, internationally, you could have brought in other guys like, uh, say, a Chris Bay or someone like that. But with this, I'll say no Finjus, former tag winners, potentially bring the Good Brothers over. Obviously, they're not doing that. And maybe bringing Hikaleo over to break team with somebody in Boca like a Kenta or, you know, having that kind of team. Do you think, you know, this is a result? This is a result, obviously, having to go to stick to who they have and the country at the time? Yeah, I definitely think it's a, an, an issue there with the um, who they can get over based on the rules because I think if it wasn't for other commitments, that I think Aussie Open would have been mm-hmm. straight in there for it. Um, yeah. And it shows you because, I mean, for example, like... Um, as of tonight, I checked the uh, the Rev Pro card, and mm-hmm. obviously we are now in the UK. We're allowing people to get in from America, and they have immediately made best use of that by having a match of Sunset Machine, which is TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo against Carl Fredericks and Alex Coughlin from the uh, the LA Dojo. And like, I'm like, boom! There's there's a team they could have had over from LA to Japan, but it's to do with the, the restrictions on the rules. Mm-hmm. With the the work permits still, yeah. I mean, we still got you know the United Empire and in the team represented by Hanari and Okan. Because yeah, I remember us like Jeff Cobb joined in last year's World Tag League. And Okan had did have, did have a sort of dominant run for a while, and they were protected even when they lost. So I managed to see how Can fares with Hanari as his partner. Hanari, as you said, hasn't spent a lot of time on TV, so he's relatively fresh. So. Be a new, another new tag team amongst the ranks of the United Empire. Molly might not win the tournament, they could be contenders for like post Wrestle Kingdom. And yeah, like as there's another one talking about the Empire, if, if they were more open to bringing in people in, we could have had TJP and Beth Super Juniors as well. Yeah, that's it. Like, there's, there's so many potentials. And you know the fact the fact that they I I know for a fact even though Japan is starting to ease up on some things, it's still not eased up enough for them to get in certain talents. The, the only talents that are allowed to get over there pretty much have to have existing permits, mm-hmm. um, which also leads me to like wonder you know could, could Jay White have been an, an option to bring over as well if it wasn't for the whole battle in the valley happening as well? I, I could have mm-hmm. seen Jay White teaming with somebody Jay White and Kenta. Imagine that for a tandem. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would have seen Ishii in the tournament. Maybe he would have teamed with Yano, or maybe he could have teamed Tana uh, with Nagata. Uh, but I think, obviously, Battle in the Valley is the same day as the, the start of Super Junior. So, obviously, Ishii has to be over there to fight Jay White. So, also we know that Chaos would mainly probably be made up of uh, Yoshihashi and Goto. Now, Tana, actually, I think he had this uh, relationship with Hanari before, when Hanari was still you know, coming up in New Japan before he turned to the United Empire, so that'll be an interesting matchup when uh, Yano and Okan go up against Hanari and uh, when Hanari and Okan go up against Yano and Tanashi, because obviously 
We're also just coming off the back of that a amateur wrestling match, which Okan still got a grape about. Yeah, there's there, there's there's definite history in that match. The like the Hinari Tanahashi team up, the Okan and Yano feud. There, there's there's lots of potential like things that they can still build off of here. It's uh, like I've, I've seen people on Twitter kind of feeling that I'm getting a little bit critical about it, and I think people are forgetting that the travel restrictions are still in place. So they're they're making the best of what they have. To me, I think there is one team too too many. Mm-hmm. I I just I do I do feel that yeah we're kind of suffering from the. We we need something to keep it in there, and to me, I just I would maybe have one team less do it as a do it as a like. Well, actually, no, you couldn't do it as one team less because that'd be eleven teams. That just wouldn't make any sense, mm-hmm. Grant. But you know, it definitely that there is. There's a lot. We'll see. I, I'm I'm worried about fatigue kick, kicking in because I'm not gonna lie, so close after the G1 with no breathing space. Yeah, so I just double check because I remember the history team Tasha and Ari. Yeah, they actually teamed in last year's. They were the opponent, the first opponents of uh, Okan and Cobb as a team, so there you go. Getting battered by the Empire seemed to you know, do something for an eye side. No, I might be doing the battering rather than getting battered. And uh, looking back at their World Tag League run, yeah, they got like one win in that whole tournament. Even Buddy Fowley and Owens beat them in that tournament, so you know, <laughs> definitely, like, I think you know, obviously, like, oh, how dare you? And Ari turned to the dark side and everything, like, Really did a really is doing better off. I think even if he gets two wins, he'll do better than his last World Tag League performance. That's it. It's not, it's not exactly setting the bar high, but you know, better is better. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're at the bottom, all you can, all the way to go is up. Exactly. <laughs> That's the thing I'll, I'll really say about it. Before we talk about some matches, uh, I think with Evil, I know he's obviously. A lot of people are turned off by evil and his shenanigans, but uh, looking at some of these teams like Suzuki and Taka, or having like both members of GOD there with uh, with Shadow, uh, I'm interested to see you, uh, him and Dick Togo try and pull their shite with uh, Suzuki around and with uh, both members of GOD and uh, the Master Heater behind them. Yeah, that's there's actually like some potential. Like, those shenanigans will play one thing, but when they come up against teams that are used to shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Especially like the Suzuki, it, it could get yeah. quite brutal. Mm-hmm. I just want, I just want to see Taka and Suzuki just slap the shit out of Dick Togo. Is that too much to ask? Oh god, that would be beautiful. I would, <laughs> I'd be so happy with that. So, uh, is there any other matchups uh, you can think of that you're looking forward to in the World Tag League before we wrap up? I'd, I'd say for me. Um, Looking at things on a glance, mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're, they're pretty much giving me one of my favourite matchups in night one with the whole Suzuki Goon v Suzuki Goon one. Um, I think the other one that I think could be interesting um, Tanahashi and Yano against Goto and Yoshihashi. I, I honestly think it could be an underrated hit. There's something about that match. I think Goto and Tanahashi can bring the kind of hard hit and serious side to it. But Yano and Yoshihashi, like y- Yano being a bit of a, a shite bag, <laughs> it could be. In a, it, there's there's room there for a little bit of shenanigans and a little bit of fun, and for Yoshihashi to kind of show the, the, the fire that got him so popular with the six man belts. Yeah, yeah. If he can bring that same kind of energy to this, then you know he might, you know, make, he and Goto may actually be contenders uh, for a future World Tag uh, shot. 
you know, I'm really a bit looking forward to anything with Taka and Suzuki. You know, I know you might question why the likes of Tenko's and GBH are in there, but you got likes of Makabe and uh, Kojima and these guys. They, those are strong style you know, wrestlers. So getting to see them try and hit Suzuki as hard as they, they can, and Suzuki getting it right back to them. You know, probably big meaty men slapping meat. Oh yes, ah yeah. There, there is definitely there is going to be some some heavy hitting bits in this in this whole tournament. Like there is going to be some big meaty men slap meat, and I honestly can't wait for it. Um, the big thing that I'm curious to see as well is how Naito's recovery has been because the fact that like it looked like he was going to be out long term, and then it's like oh yeah, uh, I didn't actually tear or rip anything. It just hurt like a bugger. I'm like, oh fuck! Thank Christ, man! I thought your biscuit knees had finally given out. That's so. Okay, uh, I can't. Remember. I don't know what whereabouts in the tournament they they're going to have it. But you know, it'll be interesting when they get a uh, you know Lig versus Daniel Checkers again in this tournament because uh, I worry for Naito's biscuit knees because I feel like exactly uh, going to be like, oh, you didn't tear your ligament that time, eh? Well, help! I'll I'll soon sort that out for you. I said, like I think I think like Zach and probably Suzuki as well are gonna be like Yeah, well the job didn't happen first time. Second time's the charm. <laughs> yeah, no, if you first you don't succeed, try again. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, also tournaments like this they go well, like, over the course of a month, you know, they're an endurance kind of thing, so it'll be interesting to see uh, as you said how Knight was holding up well well Sanada had to do a lot more of the work. Well Knight will basically just be worked over and tagging Sanada. No, to for the hot tag and everything. So it's interesting in his first few matches how much uh, Alphonse Naito does, and if he starts to slow down throughout the course of the tournament. Uh, and the beauty of also sharing it with the uh, best super juniors is that there's more chances for days off than there would be in the the G1. Yeah, definitely. It's it's going to be mad. Like, I'm just saying that like the, the, there's the schedule, the recovery. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well. But, you know, the schedule for us is hectic as well, and there'll be a few times for to recover from everything that happens because we all have to be back here in December to break it all down for you here on East Meets West. And quick soon after that, we're going to have to then start previewing Wrestle Kingdom and then reviewing Wrestle Kingdom itself. Then we're off to the races in 2022. But we hope you guys enjoyed listening to the breakdown of everything that's been going on in New Japan, and we hope you look forward to everything that's coming up, much like we do. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media at SuperHRetreat on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Get involved in the SuperHRetreat community page where you can either join the Listener League of our Fantasy Draft or you can get involved and answer uh, Campbell's question every week. He posts a new question on the community page and have your answer read on ESSR Central. Also, you can check out the back catalog on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, all good Android podcast sites for past episodes of Central, past episodes of East Meets West. Uh, past feature shows like this week's uh, Debating Chamber or past episodes of Saturday Draft Live every Saturday where we break down the, uh, the end podcast, Fantasy Draft and, you know, reluctantly, the Listener's League. Uh, <laughs> but Grant, uh, a lot to break down there, a lot to preview as well, almost as much to preview as there was to, to recap, uh, which just goes to show how much stuff we've still got to go before the year is out. God yes, it's it's like we're we're really like sort of they're just ramping everything up. It's going to be the hectic, pretty much. Well, you could almost say it's almost like the last six seven weeks of the year where New Japan just fling everything at us, 
um, on the build-up to the Dome. And no doubt we will have lots of last-minute changes coming up for us, just as New Japan likes to do every time we record. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they're doing this after Power Struggle was a pain in the ass as it is, you know, to try and time, you know, the reveal of the the, the participants for World Tag League and Best Super Juniors. But uh, I'm hopeful, like after the Super Juniors and World Tag League, we'll have a bunch of announcements and actual stuff to talk about in terms of what the Wrestle Kingdom card is going to look like. Because we already know though, that Okada uh, and Shingo are going to be on night one, and also we'll know the Junior Heavyweight and World Tag matches. But I hope we get some other announcements regarding some of the other participants and we actually use these tournaments to set up other matches across those three nights. But you know, all we can do is sit, wait and try and enjoy uh, all the quality wrestling that's coming our way uh, and all, all the quality content and recapping of it that will be coming your way very soon. But uh, from my co-host, Grammy Robert, I've been Scott McLeod. This has been a long episode and thank you for listening. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.